Okay. All right. Yeah, let's crack on over to you, Kate. Great. So um, just a really quick introduction um, to those that I haven't met. My name's Kate. Um, I'm an assistant psychologist with the NHS. Um, I work in a, an acute learning disability health team. Um, my master's was in health psychology. Um, and basically health psychology is how our physical and mental health interact. So how each affect each other, um, all around the idea of psychology really. Um, so this evening, we're gonna be looking at the effect of dieting on the brain. So I think I might've broken, yeah, I broke it down a little bit more here. Um, so it's gonna look at a couple of different things. So we're going to look at the different areas of the brain and how those are affected by different types of food um, and different um, macronutrients. Um, and then we're also going to look at how food affects your mood. Um, so this will, the first bit will be a bit more technical um, kind of background info, I guess. Um, and then we'll look at how food affects your mood. Um, we'll touch a little bit then on diet culture um what psychology has to say about diet culture which is basically you know it's no bueno <laughs> effectively um and then also we'll talk a bit about uh food as as therapy um so nutritional psychiatry which is kind of an emerging field really in psychology um obviously psychiatry and psychology are really closely linked um and that's kind of using food as a form of therapy um in the same way that we're starting to use exercise as a form of therapy and sleep as a form of therapy, we're also starting to look at food and nutrition um, and because it does affect your mood. So why not use it to your advantage? Um, so yeah, if you have any questions as we're going along, you can throw them out there or um, if you want to throw them in the group or maybe Matt, you can call them out or we can have questions at the end either um whatever you prefer but yeah please don't be shy if you have any questions um so just I thought I'd say really quickly at the start that just for the purposes of this talk when I use the word diet um I'm talking about following one of these you know trendy fad diets um obviously everyone has a diet diet just means um the food that you typically consume you know that can be healthy or unhealthy it can be planned it can be completely unmanaged but it's your general diet um so really when I say diet throughout this talk I'm, I'm talking about diet culture um and yeah so obviously most of you probably have um a diet plan to go with your exercise plan that Matt helps you with um and the entire reason why those plans work is because that they're not the quick fix fad over restrictive rule-based diets um that we'll be talking about this evening um we're mainly going to be talking about like diet culture right so these um really harmful um overly restrictive overly uh, rule heavy you know based in guilt and shame and all the rest of it um all the things to keep you hooked on it for years and years and get no results. Um, those kind of diets, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, so if we look really quickly first at the actual makeup of our brain, um, and just to give it a bit of context for how food affects it. 
Um, so obviously our brain is our powerhouse, right? So our brain, our brain dictates everything that we do. Um, so when we're, when we're eating good nutrition for our body um, and for our training, um, we're also eating good for our brain because if we're too tired to get out of bed to go to the gym, it doesn't matter you know, how much protein we've eaten, we're not going to be building muscle, right? We need, we need to feed our brain as well. Um, and we need to think about motivation and we need to think about um, drive and all the things that our, our mental and cognition, our mental health and our cognition are responsible for. Um, so the brain is quite small, obviously, it's just in our head, um, <laughs> but it actually takes up 20% of your body's overall energy consumption, which I think just proves how hard it works. Um, it's a really hungry muscle. Um, so it's important that the foods that we eat support brain growth um, and brain development and brain health in the same way that the food that we eat needs to support our body's growth um, and development and health. Um, so our brain is mostly made up of what I like to call gooey brain juice. Um, but if we take out the moisture of the brain um, and we, we look at the makeup of the muscle itself, um, it's actually comprised of many nutrients. So the main one is lipids, which are fats, um, and mainly omega-3 and 6. Um, but it's also made up of proteins, um, amino acids, which are the, the building, box, building blocks of protein, um, and also glucose. Um, so each of these impact our cognitive functioning, affects our attention, our mood. So it's really important to think about what we feed our brain because it will affect our cognition and our mood in turn. Um, so if we start with fat, since the brain is mainly made up of fat, um, the most important fats when we talk about the brain are omega-3 and 6. So they're really important for protecting cells and encouraging cell growth in the brain. So I'm gonna give just a really, this is a very simplified explanation, but when we age and when our brain ages, um, we experience cognitive decline. So that then can lead to the development of neurodegenerative diseases. So things like Alzheimer's. Um, and even if you just think about getting older, people slow down, it's because the cells in the brain die over time um, and the brain actually shrinks in size. Um, so I have a, a talk about exercise and how exercise affects the brain. And that goes, that goes a little bit more into detail about the structure of the brain and, and how, um, how cell growth kind of works. Um, but it, it's really just important to know that encouraging cell growth in the brain is the way to ward off diseases like dementia. Because if you think about it, dementia is caused by cells dying. Um, encouraging growth will counteract those effects, right? Not forever, obviously, we all age regardless. Um, but it's kind of like with your body, the more you look after your body, um, you know, the fitter you will be the, for the longer time, if that makes sense, um, so into the future. So you can, you can actually fight the effects of brain aging. Um, and that is with things like exercise and um, nutrition as well. Um, it's actually generally what's good for your body is good for your brain, which is handy. Um, but it's, it's important to think about your brain as well and not just your body. 
Um, so omega-3 and 6, they help protect the brain because they protect the cell membranes. So that's the little layer that protects our cells. Um, and it also, it not only protects the cell membranes, but it actually encourages the growth of cell membranes. Um, so because of that, they've been linked with protecting against brain aging and brain diseases. Um, so in relation to dieting, um, there are so many fad diets that just completely villainize fat. Um, and the issue is, is that omega-3 and 6, they can't be produced by the body. So they have to be found in our diet. We have to supply those through our diet. So they're mainly found in fatty fish and nuts and seeds. Um, and yeah, diet culture has its low fat agenda. Um, but there are different types of fats, right? So there is actually a lot of research going into the negative effects of trans and saturated fats on the brain. They do seem to have a more damaging effect. Um, but these good fats, the omega-3s and 6, they're just completely crucial for brain growth and development. Um, and people on these low-fat fad diets, they often find it really hard to consume enough omega-3 and 6, um, which is quite, it's quite damaging for the brain, um, which is important to consider. Um, so then the next biggest component of the brain is protein. Um, so amino acids, those are the, the building blocks um, for protein. Um, they form the little chains. Um, so it's really easy to remember that basically you find amino acids in your so sources of protein. So wherever you normally source your protein, that's where you'll find them. Um, so there's 20 amino acids, um, but I've listed here the nine essential amino acids. And they're known as the essential ones because again, like omega-3 and 6, they can't be produced by the body. So you have to supply them in your diet. Um, so, you know, anywhere you typically look for protein, meat, eggs, dairy, soy. Um, and if you're on a vegan diet, um, it's important to consider where you'll source your amino acids from. Um, it's definitely possible. Um, you know, quinoa is a good source. I, a very fun fact that I love is that mushrooms have 17 of 20 amino acids, um, including the nine essential ones, which is very random. Um, so it's not impossible. Um, but many diet culture diets are lacking in enough amino acids. Um, and why are they important? Well, because protein is the building block for cell growth, right? Which, as I keep harping on about, cell growth is important for brain health. It's absolutely vital and essential for warding off our cognitive decline. So, um, yeah, really, really important in terms of neurodegenerative diseases and also just normal brain aging as well. Um, but they're also, so amino acids are the precursors for neurotransmitters. So basically that means that they're required for our neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters are chemical messengers in the brain and they affect absolutely everything from mood to cognitive function. Um, and amino acids are required for these. So they're essential for dopamine, which is responsible for our motivation and for regulating our reward system. Um, so our drive, why we do things. They're also responsible for norepinephrine, which is our focus and our alertness. Um, specifically, um, the amino acid tryptophan is required for the production of serotonin, which is responsible for mood stabilization, um, and it's tryptophan is actually a really big one. 
um, that's responsible for melatonin as well, which regulates our sleep-wake cycle. Um, and it's, yeah, tryp tryptophan is, is a big one in terms of your brain and your mental health. Um, and like I said before, you can, you can find it in sources of protein. Um, so getting good quality protein with lots of amino acids, it's really essential for our energy levels and our sleep, as well as our mood and our cognition. If you think about it, it's affecting your mood stabilization, your sleep-wake cycle, your focus and alertness, your drive and reward system. That's pretty much everything. Um, so it's really, really important that we're feeding our brain with good nutrients. Um, and then also our brain is made up of micronutrients, just like um, all of the muscles. So it's really important to eat, not, not just to eat fruits and vegetables, right? But to eat a, a wide variety of them to make sure that you're getting the necessary vitamins. Um, so particularly when we're looking at the brain, um, I've listed here B6 and B12 and also folic acid. Those are really important for helping to ward off brain disease. Um, so we also have iron, copper, zinc, and sodium I have listed here. So those are particularly important for early brain development. Um, so when you're, when you're looking at children, um, when you have mothers who are breastfeeding um, and also prenatal, it's, it's important to think about. Um, but it's also important as, as you um, into adulthood just for kind of normal brain functioning as well. Um, so yeah, you might be noticing kind of a trend that most things that are good for your body, also good for your brain. Um, and if you think about it, the brain is just another muscle. Um, it needs nutrients just like all our other muscles, um, even though it's really complex and, you know, you lose a leg, you can live, you lose your brain, you obviously can't, um, but it is at the end of the day, just another muscle. Um, so there's, there's a lot of research at the moment um, in psychology, looking into vitamins and micronutrients. Um, and the research is kind of thin um, in terms of uh, really strong replication. Um, it definitely need, needs more, more study. Um, but there have been some emerging trends that find, find links between certain vitamin deficiencies and mental health issues. So, um, for example, zinc, um, which I've listed here, zinc, um, low levels of zinc, those have been pretty, pretty heavily linked to the development of eating disorders, which is interesting. Um, and then also low vitamin B is linked with sy symptoms of schizophrenia. Um, low vitamin or low omega-3 and 6 that we spoke about earlier. Um, those are linked with depression. Um, so I guess what I'm what I'm trying to hit home here is that when, when we engage with these fad diets, we might have a certain goal for how we want our, our body to look um, or how we think it should look and we want quick results. Um, but we can actually seriously impact our mental health, not just in terms of feeling bad about ourselves because we're not losing the weight, but you're actually playing with your brain chemistry um, and you're, um, you're not supplying your brain with what it needs to be functionally healthy. Um, so it's actually quite dangerous, um, not just from the physical side, that's also obviously dangerous. Um, so yeah, just very briefly, the final component of the brain that I mentioned there was glucose. Um, so 
I have a, another two whole talks about sugar and caffeine and how they affect our brain because it, it's just incredible um, how much they, which is why we consume so much sugar and so much caffeine because they do affect us so much, um, both cognitively and our mental health. Um, so I'm just going to touch really briefly on them here, um, which is basically just to say they do a lot, <laughs> effectively. Um, so most of our most of our brain's energy comes from carbohydrates. So that's all carbohydrates, but that includes sugar. Um, so you can imagine as our main energy short ah, energy source short, our main energy source. Um, it's really important for our brain health that we're fueling it with the right kinds of carbohydrates, right? So I like to give the analogy of like buying fuel for your car, right? The more you care about your car, um, the more high quality fuel you're going to give it, right? You're not going to buy the cheap petrol if you have invested 50 grand into a beloved car um, that you've been saving up for. Um, it can run on the cheap petrol, everything can, and people can run on sugar, um, absolutely. But you're talking about your, your long-term brain health um, and fueling it correctly. So the slow-releasing carbs like oats and grains, rather than the high-processed carbs like white bread, um, sugar, um, is, is really important. Um, and in diet culture, there's, there's often a lot of talk of um, cutting out carbs right all together like low carb diets um, and in the long term that really does affect your brain's health um, you might see people often do see really good results um, in terms of losing weight in the short term but it really does affect your brain's long-term health um, in terms of mental health and also cognition um, your brain needs carbohydrates to run um, to run effectively so um, for, yeah, I'm not sure if I've spoken to this group about sleep. I don't think so. Um, but we, we, I touched briefly on the effects that caffeine has in, in that talk as well. Um, because caffeine, it just affects our brains so much, which is why we love it, right? We all have caffeine in the morning because we know it will perk us up. Um, so it, it has that effect on our attention. Um, but it also has a much broader effect on mental health, focus, alertness, cognition. Um, and in relation to diet culture, typically when people have a very low calorie diet, um, they really restrict and cut down, they often supplement their energy needs with caffeine um, because they physically can't make it through the day without the energy that they're not getting from food because they're not eating enough. Um, so they often supplement with caffeine and that that can be really quite detrimental to your brain's health because once it gets addicted to caffeine, which which can happen, um, it becomes really difficult to break that. Um, and you can actually have withdrawal symptoms. Um, it, get, it can get quite dangerous, actually. Um, but yeah, I think we should move on, maybe because um, I could talk about caffeine all night. Um, so now we're, we're going to talk about food and our mood. Um, so again, we're going to be looking at this from the kind of diet culture perspective. Um, so there, there's a lot more we could talk about this, but just for the purposes of tonight, we're going to look at the diet culture. Um, so there's, again, growing research when you're looking at psychology and food and nutrition and really health psychology. It's a very young field. 
Um, the term health psychology was actually, it only came about in the 1980s. So if you think about that in terms of research, it's not a long time to be able to replicate things um, and get um, you know, really solid results that we can rely on, really reliable, valid results. Um, so all studies, you know, take with a take with a pinch of salt. Um, but there is a growing research that different nutrients can have effects on mental health and on mood. Um, so, you know, I really hate to label any food as bad or unhealthy because really food any food is just a source of energy and within the within the context of a wider balanced diet um, and set of habits there's no inherently good or bad food um, that's my disclaimer before I go on to talk about nutrients that are good and nutrients that are bad um, but uh, yeah we'll, we'll call them good and not so good maybe um, so really where this research is is it's in a, about our gut health so an important thing to note with gut health in particular is that we don't fully understand what a healthy gut needs so we do know that general gut health is really important and that it has a really big impact on our mental health um, and that it's heavily linked with our brain psychologists actually call the gut the second brain um, and that's because the gut is responsible for creating neurotransmitters. So just like our brain is. Um, so serotonin, like we said earlier, that's the mood stabilizing neurotransmitter. Um, it is made in the brain, like all neurotransmitters, but actually 90% of it is made in our gut. So keeping a happy, healthy gut that's full of diverse, healthy bacteria is really important for, I mean, for loads of reasons, for loads of health reasons, um, like, you know, helping food to digest and um, it's important for your immune system um, and for producing nutrients for your body. But it's also really important for our mental health, um, since that's where the majority of our serotonin comes from. Um, so if you don't have a healthy gut, that can impact on um, your body's ability to create enough serotonin. Um, so foods that are good for our gut, they include fermented foods. So yogurt, kimchi, kombucha, um, and then also foods that are really high in fiber. So your vegetables, your whole grains. Um, so when we're talking about fad diets, if you have someone who goes on, for example, like a juice cleanse, right? This can cause really significant damage to your gut health and then by extension, your mental health, not to mention the effect of, on your mental health if you're not getting enough food. Um, but it's also damaging your gut health. So gut health in the brain is a really, it's a really deep topic. There's a lot to talk about there. Um, and a lot of the research still needs more work. Um, but basically a lot of fad diets, a lot of diet culture, it, they just lack the proper components for gut health, um, which then affects mental health in return. Um, so if we move on here, so talking about our gut, um, we spoke before about tryptophan um, and how important um, that is for the production of serotonin and also for melatonin, um, which is important for symptoms of depression, right? So melatonin, I think I might have mentioned earlier, but I'll just say it again, melatonin is um, our sleep-wake cycle hormone. 
So that's important for energy, um, being able to get to sleep, being able to get into a deep sleep, being able to wake from sleep, feeling rested. That's all melatonin. Um, so there was a, a recent study where they placed a group of people on a 12 week diet that was basically it, it, it was a really nut rich diet. Um, and then post the 12 weeks, they tested their urine um, for many things, but they actually found that the serotonin levels in the urine was higher than before this 12 weeks. So really what I wanted to highlight with that study is that it does not take a long time to improve gut health. Um, it doesn't take a long time to disimprove it, but it also doesn't take a long time to improve it. So even after just years of neglecting gut health, not thinking about it, um, it can be repaired and through diet. Um, and it also shows that we can manipulate the production of serotonin that we produce and absorb through our diet. So um, just like we can with exercise, um, we can also um, do it with our diet. Um, and if you think about it, that's what a lot of antidepressant medication does. So there's, there's two types of antidepressant medication. There's ones that produce more serotonin, and then there's ones that focus on our serotonin receptors. So those, it's kind of like, um, they make our receptors more sticky, right? So we can produce all the serotonin we want, but if we're not receiving it um, and digesting it, then um, it gets lost effectively. Um, so a lot of medication will focus on the reception side of it. Um, and they found that um, through these kinds of diets, these, um, these diets that are focused on good gut health, um, and, you know, not necessarily weight loss or what diet culture wants us to think about, um, that we can actually manipulate the production of serotonin, which is kind of amazing because then we don't need to use antidepressants in the same way if we're able to do that. Um, so it's, it's just another thing to consider um, if, if, we, if we have our talk about exercise in the brain. Um, You'll, you'll see that that's one thing that we actually recommend before medication is to think about exercise as an intervention, but we're also starting to think about diet as an intervention. Um, so you can see here that I, I've listed just some foods that are good for your brain, um, basically because they're the precursors for serotonin um, and we love to make as much of that as we can. Um, but a lot of these foods have other benefits as well. Um, so for example, um, pumpkin seeds are also great source of tryptophan, all of these here are, um, and walnuts, you know, that's, they're probably one of the best sources of omega-3, which we spoke about earlier. Um, and also interestingly, there's been some studies into the effects of spices on mood. Um, so some studies show that saffron, for example, um, can help reduce the effects of depression and also the feelings of pain. Um, so there's been some studies that show that fennel can help to stabilize um, serotonin, which is apparently our favorite neurotransmitter of the night. That's what we're going to talk about the most. Um, and yeah, so again, you know, all these need replication, but there is some emerging research about it, which is really quite interesting. Um, and yeah, so it's definitely something to consider when fad dieting. Um, and when you think about those, you know, those freezer Weight Watcher meals, you know, the, the 250 calorie ones that you can buy um, and they have literally none of these foods in them um, and just absolutely nothing for your brain and nothing for your mental health. 
um but it's low calories so you should eat it but um it doesn't take into account the wider broader health implications um so oh yeah it, it wouldn't be right to talk about food that's good for your brain without talking about chocolate um so yes chocolate is good for your brain um you know i'm not talking about the the chocolate that's full of sugar and milk i'm talking about dark chocolate organic chocolate um but it really is it actually is really good for you um in small amounts so it has antioxidants that help to regulate our mood um and also help with our memory and attention um and amazingly chocolate also contains tryptophan um so you know when diet culture tells us that chocolate is evil it has to be avoided at all costs it's just complete nonsense um it's actually full of lots of things that we need um so that was just a really brief touch there on the foods that can negatively impact our mood um or that sorry that can positively impact our mood um and i'm going to balance that with the ones that negatively impact our mood um so there's really no surprises um again what's good for your brain is good for your body what's bad for your body is bad for your brain um so they include processed food fast food, high sugar food, fried food. Um, and it's really, it's really the foods and high trans fats um, that can have a negative effect on your mood. So they're, they're quite linked to depression, um, also lack of motivation. Um, but yeah, so food and your mood, um, it's important to think about in terms of diet culture. Um, it's not just calories, it really isn't. It's not just about cutting out 500 calories and you lose weight. There's, there's so much surrounding food and it's really complex. And when you start, um, often when you start focusing on food as a way to lose weight, you can lose sight of, well, actually, what is what else is food doing for me? What else is it necessary for? Well, it's necessary for your brain health is what it's necessary for, which is, you know, arguably the most important thing. Um, but yeah, so if we move on here. Yeah, so um, it's not just the physical side of food that affects our mental health. So we've spoken really in depth there about the nutrients and how they physically affect your brain. Um, so our gut and our body, you know, they work with the food that we give it. Um, and but there's also aside from those physical reactions affecting our mental health, there's also this direct effect of diet culture and chronic dieting and what this does to our mental health. So being surrounded by diet culture. Um, so diet culture, it encourages us to buy into these trendy fad diets that like we've said, you know, they're lacking in vital nutrition and they're overly restrictive. And they're just shown over and over and over again in the research to not be effective. Um, and the psychology really behind that is that Fad diets don't encourage long-lasting, effective behavior change. And when you're looking at health, health overall, um, when, you're, when you're looking at long-term life health, it's a culmination of habits. Um, it's our behavior day in, day out that affects our health. So we could go on a three-month um, you know, weight loss transformation but if we eat really poorly for the next 30 years, 
even if we never put that weight back on again, but we're eating really poorly, that's going to affect your health. Um, it's the long term, every day, day in, day out. What are we doing to our bodies and our mind? What are we doing to our brain with our food? Um, that's 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 what affects us long term. Um, and in terms of weight loss, they're, they're not effective for weight loss. And that is because you're not having this long lasting effect of change. So behavior change, actual behavior change as an adult is probably the hardest thing that anyone will ever do. Um, so it's really natural and understandable that people want these quick fixes. Um, often, you know, we, we hear this mindset of um, I'll eat healthy after I go on my diet, right? So I'm going to boost my diet with a juice cleanse. I'm going to take a three day juice cleanse and then I'm going to eat healthy. Um, but research into this, it just shows over and over again that it doesn't boost our weight loss. Um, and actually, it's really detrimental to it. Um, people who do these kind of like, oh, I'm just going to do a three day juice cleanse prior to eating healthy. Um, they're more likely to not only put on the weight that they lost, but to also put on more weight again. Um, and that's because you're not addressing the behavior behind the initial weight gain to begin with. Um, so when we put on weight, Right. When our bodies store extra weight, it's because we're eating more than our body needs. So if you just think about that for a second, um, why would we eat more food than we need? Right. It, it would be like if our bodies are full and satiated, why would we eat more? It's like going to bed at 11 a.m. Right. You just got up at let's say you get up at 8 a.m. and by 11, you're fully awake and energized. Why would you go to bed? You wouldn't, right? So the reason that we overeat and therefore put on weight is because although we're getting enough calories, technically, we're not eating the right food to satiate and to fuel our body. Um, so we hear about these empty calories, right? That's kind of what that means, which is that we're we're getting the calories so our body will store the extra calories as fat but we're not giving our body the nutrients that it needs so then we crave more food and eat to excess um and that's not even mentioning you know there's loads of other reasons like there could be mental health reasons why people overeat um you know people can have binge eating disorders people can also just eat for comfort um you can eat for social reasons you're out for a meal you're not particularly hungry but you're drinking and having a good time why not um and eating extra is a habit right you've just always done that you grew up being given extra food and told to clear your plate so you do um so this is really why these overly restrictive chronic dieting they just don't work because it's not just the calorie restriction that's important um, and because our bodies will crave food for energy but it also creates it, it also craves food for nutrients um, so these quick fixy fad diets they just will never work for that reason unfortunately it would be great if they did it would be amazing and if if there ever was one that would work it would be the only one because everyone would just do it and lose weight and no one would be overweight, right? If there was one that actually worked, but there just isn't. Um, for people that they do work for, it's because they might go through the fat diet and then actually change their behavior, but it's the behavior change that's important. 
Um, and, you know, diet culture, it's obsessed with dropping pounds, but it's far more beneficial to think of the behavior change as the goal. And then any weight loss that comes from that, that's kind of, it's almost like a side effect of reaching the behavior goal, right? So if you're eating well um, and you're, you've changed your behavior, the, the weight loss will happen. Um, and then that way you're, you're left feeling empowered by your healthy behavior um, and, you know, not feeling crap because the five pounds that you lost by drinking just celery juice for the last week, you've actually gained again and another five pounds. Um, so it's important, you know, I would say uh, wholeheartedly to reject diet culture, um, which is much easier said than done because diet culture is all around us. Um, an interesting exercise actually over the next week or so, if you, if you have time, just take a, take a little mental note um, of how many times that someone says something to you about a diet or makes a comment about weight loss um, or you see an advert on TV or on YouTube or whatever about some quick fix fad diet or this food is so good because it has xyz it's a lot more than you think um and i think just being aware of how much the, this message is being pushed on us all the time is it's really important because we start to internalize these things that's the point that's why they pay for the advertising because it works um and it really does work but the best way to counteract those effects is to just be aware. Just be aware of, wow, I'm getting a lot of these messages pushed at me and I'm going to consciously reject it, um, which again, far easier said than done. Um, but the weight loss industry, it doesn't want us to lose weight. If you think about it, like it's this billion dollar um, industry, um, and if it succeeded, then there would be no one else to buy their crap, basically. Um, so there was a recent study. Um, it found that over 50% of Americans in the last year had dieted. And if you think about that, America has probably the worst obesity, obesity pandemic in the world right now, even worse than the UK, worse than Ireland. Um, so more people are dieting and still more people are overweight and obese. So clearly there's just something very wrong with that. Um, and even more so, there's a lot of research that shows that behaviors are actually a better overall indicator of someone's health than body weight. So if you were to look at someone's profile and all you had was their body weight and you had to guess what kind of health they had, you would be more predictive. You would be better able to predict their health if you had a list of their behaviors and didn't know their weight, because it's more indicative of health. Um, so although diet culture tells us that losing those pounds is what's gonna make us happy um, and what's gonna make us healthy, actually, no, it's our behavior that makes us healthy and makes us happy. Um, so that's why it's so important to focus on the behavior and not on the really quick dropping of the pounds um, that diet culture wants us to. Um, and I think that's really key. So people, you know, we tell ourselves all the time, if I just do it this time, I'll just lose these 10 pounds or this two stone or whatever it is. 
this is the one this is the this is the diet that will work um this is the time I'll drop the pounds then I'll be happy um but unfortunately none of us are above diet culture diet culture will always win in the end um until we actually change our behavior to a healthy balanced lifestyle diet culture will always win um and yeah because it's it's the quick fix fads that just don't work um so lastly just really quickly um i could rant on about that all night i'll try not to um just to talk a little bit about uh food as therapy um maybe a bit more of a positive spin hopefully um so you know given everything that we've discussed i think it's pretty clear that diet and also diet culture has a huge effect on people's cognitive functioning and mental health um so emerging research is showing this link between healthier more balanced diets and then also reduce risk of common mental health disorders so like anxiety and depression um, and because of this we're starting to see considerations of diet being used as therapeutic interventions um, so particularly with like i said nutritional psychiatrists so this nutritional psychiatry is this new field that's kind of emerging um, so basically you go into the psychiatrist and they will ask you what you eat. Um, they'll, ref they'll review your nutrition um, and they'll try to help your mental health by prescribing a healthy diet. Um, so that takes into account all the factors that we've spoken about this evening. Um, it will take into account all the nutrients, um, macro and micro. Um, so again, it's like prescribing exercise. It can be potentially a really wonderful alternative to medication for some people, um, not for everyone, obviously. Um, but it is this, it's this really exciting field and that's only, it's only in its infancy really. Um, but it's based on everything that we spoke about tonight. Um, so this here, it's a really quick overview of what we spoke about. Um, and that's really it for what we had to speak about this evening. So if anyone has any questions or comments or anything, feel free to shout out now or if not, I hope I haven't confused anyone terribly. No, that was absolutely brilliant. I think what uh, I'm going to just highlight a few points which really stood out to myself. Hopefully you yeah. guys uh, have taken stuff away from that. By all means, in the chat box, let Kate know what was your biggest takeaway there, what we're going to do differently with this information. As always, team, information is only potential power. They say knowledge is power, but again, it's only potential unless you do something different with it. So few things that I wanted to just kind of mirror there, just the importance of how much energy your brain uses. It's 80% for each of the day. Looking at your fats in terms of omega-3s and omega-6. Uh, again, if you're not having oily fish at least once or twice per week, make sure you're supplementing with that. When we look at proteins, again, there's essential, uh, essential macronutrients. So we need to make sure that those amino acids are going into the body, finding that through diet. Vitamins B6, B12, again, iron, zinc, these things can all be supplemented if you feel that you're not getting the most nutritious. But long story short, the, the big thing which we really, I think we need to look at is just food quality actually does matter. We speak so much about calories in and calories out, but when we think about it, um, the reason that we're looking for more energy is because we're not giving our body the energy that it needs. And if you're tired and if you're stressed out and if your brain's not thinking effectively because it doesn't have nutrients, then you're going to be craving energy. So as much as we can say eat less and move more, when the powerhouse, the brain is asking you for more energy because you need energy, that's going to be a deciding factor to the amount of calories you consume. 
I have a, a small analogy, which hopefully that sort of makes sense. Uh, when you think about it, your body is like the, the car. Do you maybe want to close the, do you want to open up to the share screen again there, Kate? Oh, sure. Yeah, it will. Uh, did that, is that sharing? No, we're still in your presentation. Oh, if I do nah, that. As I think. Um, so yeah, the, the, like the body is like the only vehicle that you can get. So imagine you go to a car manufacturer and you say, right, I'm looking to get a new car. And the boss says, cool, I'm going to put five of my best people on the job. All right. We have all the same resources versus you go to another car manufacturer and let's say you go to like a kind of secondhand place and they do it a little bit cheaper. We're going to like, right, we're going to put 10 of our, or we're going to put 10 workers on it. Again, quality versus quantity. Like they may have the same resources, but they're going to have to be paying these people less. The quality isn't going to be there. You would much rather put the same amount of quality into five people to do it really, really well with the right amount of resources versus trying to get more and more people in to do an average job. This is where food quality really, really matters. Yes, calories in, calories out is the deciding factor for weight loss. But by prioritizing a quality diet, you're making that thing so much easier for yourself. And um, as Kate was saying there, like diet cultures, it's all about the behaviors more than anything. I scribbled a few things down sort of there saying that like the average diet, the average adult will try 126 different diets in their lifetime. But, uh, obesity is the highest rates ever. So it's not just your motivation or your willpower more than anything. Like food is so easily accessible, it's so high in calories and it's so damn tasty. Um, but again, as Kate was saying, it's affecting our brain and it's affecting our ability to think. So hopefully you guys took something away from this in terms of food quality, put that at the forefront and then we can look at food uh, quantity. And if you can get the two of them right, everything else sort of falls into place. And um, I don't know about you, but the biggest thing I took away is basically just also eat good quality chocolate. I'm going to put 90% dark chocolate back on my shopping list more than anything. Um, Vicky's saying that didn't realize the, the, the huge influence on the brain, food quality. We need to put that to the forefront. How much crap food has uh, been in the shopping recently? So yeah, accountability on that um, team. That's absolutely brilliant. We're going to just finish up on the recording there and uh, we're going to just wrap up there as is.